week is brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I'm super excited because we've got a woman in the house. This is Riley Compton. She is a United States Marine officer as well as going for the Olympic bobsled team. You're a softball player. You've got a smile that could crack glass. It's crazy seeing a woman in a Marine uniform, but with the type of smile and enthusiasm that just radiates from your face is unlike anything that most people see. And it is so welcoming, and I feel so fortunate to have you on this episode. So welcome to the show, Riley. Thank you so much for having me and all those compliments. Man, I'm you're building me up today. <laughs> well, hey, that's just the truth. You should be built up like that every day. You are a United States Marine officer who is a woman, which is huge in our community because it's so rare, it seems like, to see women doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I looked it up and the statistics that I've always shown is it's about five to 8% of female officers are women. And Mm -hmm. that was hundred percent why I want to join the Marine Corps. And I want to draw a lot of attention to that statistic because I think it's so important because like you said, you don't, you don't see very many. So I'm going to bring us all the way back. Um, I try to give people some context into your life so they understand who you are. So Bring me back. How old are you now? I'm 24 years old right now. So you're a tiny little baby. You're barely (laughs) wet behind the ears. You're barely a baby. And so how did this all come? Because really, when I started looking you up and finding out about you, um, what really fascinated me was this was, you know, you are young. You've done so much so early, though. Um, And so you were a D one athlete. And if the Canadian listeners don't understand what that is, I mean, that's like a, that's as high as you can go. If I'm not, am I wrong here? No, you're right. You're right. In college athletics. Yes. Okay. So explain to me, how did softball, what is softball to you? Because I feel like softball really was a big, um, not motivator, but it was a a catalyst point for you. It seemed like it shaped you if I'm not wrong. Yes, absolutely. So my father was a professional baseball player. And so growing up, yeah, okay. I, I learned softball <laughs> from the youngest age and I fell in love with it. And it, it came to me naturally, you know, that you just see natural people pick up sports. And to be honest, growing up in Indiana, Indiana is such a big basketball state that I played basketball and softball my whole life. And I spent way more time practicing basketball because I wasn't naturally as good at it, at it okay. compared to softball. But um, I made finally a really top travel team around the whole country. Uh, by the time I went into my freshman year of high school and they told us, Hey, you got to pick one sport and you'll go to college, but you got to pick one sport so you can play. And so I transitioned completely full-time into softball. I <laughs> gave everything. I mean, six hours a day to softball, um, my whole high school career. So I, it was, that was a sport that shaped me and gave me the leadership skills and the camaraderie and like building that team around me. Um, and that's, that's why I am where I am today. So that was like my first love, my first sport ever. That's, that's crazy to me because most people can't even get it together for one. <laughs> like let's be, yeah. let's be brutally honest about the reality of becoming a professional athlete or a 
paid athlete in university, it's rare. I mean, for one activity, let alone multiple. So it's kind of annoying to hear that <laughs> you're that person. It's like most people aren't coordinated enough to go up and down the stairs and not drop books at the same time. You're like, bitch, I can throw and play. Like, what, what do you want? It's so, it's so mind blowing to me because you, you could have gone a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. You could have taken a completely different path. And what I'm curious about is for you, because it seems like on the outside, from an outside perspective, your high school was fairly easy for you. It seemed like you had a pretty good head on your shoulders. It, did you ever struggle with any of that young girl angst, that that drama, that mental component that so many don't discuss? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what was different for me in high school was I committed to play softball right after my freshman year of college. Or, my freshman year of high school. So freshman year is over, you know, you're young, you just got on to your high school campus. You can't drive yet. And I committed verbally to play softball at George Washington in DC. So being from Indiana, (laughs) that was a big deal. So I had to take, yeah, I take my SAT, my ACT, all that stuff when I was a freshman, like right out of middle school, basically. So I, there was a part of me that I always knew that I was on to something better. And I was on a trajectory that I was going to break away from my hometown. I was going to go be somebody. I was going to go in DC and make my family proud and make myself proud in sports. So I had that path that was a little bit differently, but growing up as, as a female, and I went to high school of 5,000 people, you definitely have your drama. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I, (laughs) it was huge. It's called Carmel high school. My graduating class was like a hundred people. What Mm. words are you saying? That's the stadium. That's a small state. No wonder. Oh my God. So many things are making sense. No wonder you guys have your graduations in actual stadiums. Duh. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Fine. I'll I'll get there. (laughs) I'm Canadian. I'm super like, listen, I'm dialed in terms of military and everything with America. I'm knife handing you right now. Like what is wrong (laughs) with me? My point is I'm still super Canadian. So you're Mm. Some of this takes a second. So just bear with me. So no wonder. Okay. So 5,000 people, holy Toledo. Okay. Okay. Continue. My apologies. (laughs) No, you're fine. So yeah, I, again, I was on that path a lot earlier. So I knew already where I was going. I was, I would love wearing my George Washington sweatshirt everywhere being like, I already know I'm going to go to college. (laughs) Um, and that path for me. Um, so everything I've done in my life, to be completely honest with you has been early. And I've always saw myself as being Uh, more mature than my peers, because Mm -hmm. my life had to be, I had to plan out, I had to make sure things were getting accomplished and where I wanted to go in my life. So yeah, I'm 24 years old, but I've been married over two years now. So I got married at 22. I I knew what job I wanted. um, My freshman year of college, stepping onto campus, I met a Marine recruiter. So everything for me is just like happened early and before others. So I tend to gravitate towards the older athletes or my older group of friends more normally. Mm -hmm. It seems like that would be difficult for you to uh, really relate with a younger, the younger generation or even your own age group, just for the simple fact that you've, you've been dialed so early on, you've understood the, what a career looks like with athletics and you understand that professional athlete um, perspective behind all of that. I'm really fascinated that you brought that up because I wanted to discuss some stuff with you and, and get your insight on some things. Um being a professional athlete, being at a young age, I did, um, a bit of that. And, um, 
not through the age, the, the ages that you were when you were heavy hitting, mine were a little bit younger, but there is something really different. We have to be different. We have to be wired differently. Mm-hmm. You just have to. I'm curious about your perspective on how we treat young professional athletes from a mental health view. So I'll start off by saying, I think it was, it's a lot better now than it's ever been. I think we are on a very good trajectory. Um, however, again, going back, I didn't have that mental health teaching and conversations as early as I probably would have liked. And I think as I was continuing through sport in college, we did have some conversations about mental health. We had awareness games. We would talk about it. Um, there were safe places. I feel like I had people I could go to, to address where I'm at. Um, now being at a team USA and seeing here, I am extremely proud of the progress that we have made with mental health. We have full-time people here that we can access, um, even when we're in quarantine. So back throwback a couple of months ago, when you'd have to quarantine, no matter what vaccine or not for eight to 10 days straight. We were given links and phone numbers to call when, if we were feeling depressed and anxious by being locked up in a room for so long before we could go and compete. So I think we're stepping in the right direction. Um, However, as we just see all with the past summer Olympics and everything that Simone Biles did, you know, that was a statement. And again, we're able to talk about it more. And I know Michael Phelps has came out and talked about it more. Mm -hmm. One of my teammates, Lolo Jones has been on documentary and has talked about it more. And Mm -hmm. so encouraging that conversation continuously, I think is absolutely so important. Looking back in high school, I really do wish I would have had some more training and talking about things. I think the hardest part for so many young athletes is, especially like you said, we're wired differently. We're tough, Mm -hmm. right? We're tough women. We can't be emotional. We can't be seen as weak right? We're big, strong athletes and we have to carry our own because we don't want to be disrespected and be separated from the males. And in high school, when you're still trying to figure out who you are and, and growing into a young woman, that's the age group. I think we need to attack a little bit more, but here I am now at, at team USA and Bobson and skeleton. I am extremely fascinated. I almost sometimes feel like, okay, I, I have all the resources. Like how are you guys continuously sending us even more stuff? So I, I am really proud of that. I'm really glad to hear that. That's something I want to touch on. I'm glad that you brought up the Olympics. That's where I was kind of going with this because we've seen such a, we've, we've seen such a different type of pressure being brought onto athletes in, in a way from whether it's the Olympics itself, whether it's self-pressure, whether it's coaches, whether it's um, being paid by very large corporations to wear their labels, that itself brings a lot of pressure and a lot of weight. And I know that, you know, previous, Olympics. It was, there's no, there's just never been discussion until recently. I'm very glad that there is, although I think that it could be being done better. I Mm -hmm. still think we have a long, long, long way to go. Uh, and, and I'm curious to watch the programs develop now that we have the resources, now that we have the studies, we have the information, we have the data points. I'm curious to watch it develop and these programs develop and see where they land and how they're truly being treated because there are behind the scenes things that happen that I do know are not always 100% positive 
you know, you can have a doctor saying you need to take time, but then you can have a coach saying, well, you can't afford to take the time. It's like, where's this balance? What does this really truly look like? And how do we make sure that that is respected within the athlete's um, privacy? For you, dealing with being a Marine at the same time of this, how is that affecting you? Because you have more on your plate than maybe a normal athlete would. Yes, I have a lot on my plate. Um, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. So I'm a Marine, I'm a Marine officer at that. So I know there's mm -hmm. other athletes um, throughout the United States and other countries that do partake in, in professional sport that are in the military. Um, however, being in, being in the Marine Corps and being an officer of Marines, there's not programs such as like the world-class athlete program that the army has where your billet becomes kind of an athlete. So I okay. am an 0402 logistics officer and my responsibilities don't go away. You know, I go back and forth from here to home. I spend as much time as I can at home. Sometimes that jeopardizes my training because I need to be able to be there and do both. And I wear my uniform every day when I'm not here, you know? So it's like, I'm actively going in. Um, I run logistics for 800 Marines. You know, that's no small task as well as being um, a sexual assault victims advocate, which is a 24 seven job. So I work with sexual assault victims and helping them through trauma and going to court and seeking services and everything like that. So I walk them through that process. Um, and then also being a wife, I'm dual military. My husband, uh, he's an infantry officer in the Marine Corps. So throughout his deploying and exercises and, and trying to balance a healthy marriage. And, and then on top of that, and my weightlifting, my strength and conditioning, you know, making sure I'm eating and my dietitian. So there is a lot going on for sure. So what you're saying is like, it's just normal, normal, everyday things for you over here. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm used to it now. But okay. I, that's wild. So why though, do the Marines not have a program like the army has for their athletes? So the army, so the Marine Corps is the smallest branch, right? And we have the least amount of resources and money to be quite frank. Um, you're the loudest history, that is like very true. That is very shot. true. The most motivated. Um, mm -hmm. Throughout history, we've seen continual reasons of people trying to shut down the Marine Corps, saying that there's no need for us, that we already have the Army, Navy, and Air Force. What is the Marine Corps really doing, right? So we don't have enough money and resources to allocate to sport. Mm. So the Marine Corps had uh, the Marine Corps wrestling team, and some of them were just in this previous games in Tokyo for the Summer Olympics, but Quick that question. is now shut down. Right. So, but was it only wrestling for men? Yes. From what I'm, from what I'm tracking on, we only had men. Okay. So you guys couldn't afford any sports, but the only sport they did was like men's wrestling. So we have other all Marine sports. So softball okay. is one of them. So there's okay. like a female softball team. Um, I believe there's rugby. I know there's a Marine Corps running team. So those are men and women. Um, you guys have a rugby sure. team? I believe so. Or we at least have a Marine rugby player that I, that I know is trying <laughs> to do some stuff. I am. We have one guy. He's one rugby player. He plays all the teams on his own. He's completely on his own. That <laughs> I love the so, Marines. This is what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, so I believe that she's on a separate team, but um, I've talked with headquarters Marine Corps, Semper Fit, mm -hmm. who I've been working with and they have mentioned several times Hey, you know, there's an enlisted rugby player. That's really, really good. It's trying to do some of the same stuff I am. So I don't think necessarily she's on the Marine Corps rugby team, but I know the Marine Corps has a running team. 
I'm friends with some of the athletes, female athletes that are on there. I knew that they used to have a softball team because originally I wanted to do that, but COVID had shut it down. Um, then I knew we had our big Marine Corps wrestling team and that was, they were stationed over in North Carolina. Um, but that's no longer, um, together. And a lot of the, um, athletes did go to the army or other services that had this world-class athlete program to where Mm -hmm. they could continue to do it. You ever thought of doing that? It's definitely been talked about. Um, don't get me wrong because from a financial standpoint and from a traveling standpoint, they cover everything. You know, your billet is to be able to travel and go, and they're not going to really tell you no to where I'm in a position right now that at any point, my, my commanding officer can say, Hey, you know, Lieutenant Compton, you're actually not, I'm not going to approve your travel to X. You need to stay here and work. So that is part of it, but I'll be completely honest with you. Every time that option is talked about, I just see that as being the easy button. And I see that as an easy option. And I look at that saying like, you know what, that is a very tempting offer and like no disrespect to the other branches, but I chose the Marine Corps for a reason. I chose the Marine Corps because they're the baddest, most motivated, physically fit people in the world. And there's not a lot of females. And I take so much pride being a Marine Corps officer as a female and trying to break these barriers that I'm like, you know what, I don't want to leave this. And if I have to work that much harder and I have to prove myself that much more and if I have to pay for it and I have to beg to let me go and, and compete and, and glorify, you know, the Lord and the Marine Corps, then I'm going to do that. If that's what it takes. Um, I'm going to take the path less, less traveled so I can make that path for people behind me instead of kind of jumping over. But yeah, there has to be one, doesn't there? There does. Someone has to do it. And um, a saying that I love is if not you, then who? And I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm blessed and I'm in a good position that, Hey, you know what? I'm trying to draw a lot of media attention and it's working and saying, Hey, like jump on board Marine Corps. Like we got amazing athletes here. We have amazing people. Like let us, we can, we can do both. It's not, they got money. They got money in a budget. Trust there's money to be found anywhere in a budget. If we can find trillions of dollars to go burn and, or just leave hundreds of millions of dollars in a country because we piss poor planning, then we can afford to look after our athletes and pay for their fucking plane tickets. I'll bleep that for you, but that's <laughs> ridiculous. That should be, if you're representing the way you are and you're doing the work you should, you should be getting some, you should be having your travel at least paid for. I, I love you. I love you for, for like all of that, but like, girl, know your goddamn worth girl, know your worth, because I'm telling you the stuff that you're doing on behalf of them right now, without them even realizing that they're doing it is going to help them so significantly. Like know your worth. You sound like me when I was 24, you got to just, you know, that you're doing something incredible here. And that's what I love about you is because you know it, you can feel it. You exude it. It's obvious. I'm hopeful that you stick on that path with the Marines, but I'm telling you, if you're, you're going through to be a professional athlete, uh, there's, there's a line there, sweetie, go be a Marine after go. You know what I'm saying? Like you're young. Like I, I love, love your drive for that go be in the army for a little bit come back to the marines when you're ready to just marine yourself silly because you guys have a different way of of working you just do the way the marines think the way they walk they talk they feel they are different than the army and the navy of the united states and having seen and served with both the marines are definitely people i would you send them in first for a reason (laughs) 
Absolutely. And every, every climb and every place, everywhere we go, we're there. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's impressive. Truly just getting to know different Marines. There seems to be a running joke with you guys about crayons. Apparently. Yes. I already heard it so many times here <laughs> at the track. Why? Like what is, I still, nobody still never fully explained to me what the crayon thing is. Yeah. So from my understanding of it, people, the Marines, they, you know, jarheads, they're really physically fit, but they think we're really dumb. So they're like, Hey, I mean, why don't that's you an accurate assessment. <laughs> right. So they're like, why don't you just like eat your crowns? And from, from my take and how I've like interpreted it is it's like, Hey, you big like dingus, like here's some crowns for you to eat. And maybe in the past someone has, I, I should probably do some more research into that, but that's how I've taken it. I would embrace, I think TMR has embraced that. I think he's, him and Topher have embraced the Marine crayon, the rappers, the, the Marines. And I know there's like a whole, you can like buy his crayons. It's like hilarious. I love yeah. it. I, it. He's a, he's a great individual um, that I feel like you should connect with TMR and Topher. Very God supporting. I think that's the only episode I've ever done where I haven't cursed. Like they are great and they're, <laughs> They're great resources and Marines to have on your side. Those I'll introduce you to them because I feel like you should know them. Um, you know, with you, I'm, I'm curious to know what this looks like. Where do we go from here? Because how does somebody go from being in high school, getting the scholarships, that's the early age, goes to college. And then did you always want to be a Marine? Did you, no. is that a family thing? Nope. 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 Okay. To both, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. No, I, when I took the scholarship to George Washington, I took it for the academics and to be in DC. I was like, mm -hmm. what an amazing opportunity. And I wanted to work for a three letter agency originally. So FBI, CIA, fill in the blank. I wanted to help the military through intelligence was always my goal. And when I got to campus my freshman year, within the first month, I met a Marine recruiter and yeah all right and he was a captain and he played football and baseball in college and we engaged in conversation and I literally got sunk in line hook I was bam in. yep he's like you want to do something motivating the rest of your life you know you want to sure work do. out I was like yes yes like you're speaking to like the right person here so next thing I know oh. I call my father like I told you he was a professional baseball player and and my mother who is like so smart academically set herself up through grad school and everything through scholarship. And I call him and I'm like, Hey, so I'm not going to come home this summer. I'm going to go to officer candidate school for, to be a Marine. And you know, my mom's like, what? No, you know, I like, maybe I can't remember. She started tearing up. Like, that's a horrible idea. And then my dad's like, can you just play your first softball season first? Like, can we focus on rookie of the year and all of these goals before you you know, start doing things. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm called to do this. I know this, like my, I, there's no feeling like it. And so I went when I was 18 to officer candidate school as one of the youngest ones, uh, hardest thing I've done, but I fell in love with it. And I was like, all right, you got me Marine Corps. So then throughout it, oh. I used the next four years to make myself as the, to be the best officer I could be. I studied Russian. I worked for a congressman um, out of Texas who had Fort Hood in his district to help with like military laws. I, uh, yeah, I moved to Kyrgyzstan for a summer to learn Russian and a practice and be involved and not necessarily 
um, an active war zone in the Middle East, but near it. So I can mm-hmm. familiarize myself with the environment and the people that potentially I'd be working with and just did everything I could work two jobs, um, did it all trained and, and got ready. So took a bunch of leadership positions throughout softball. So I was our athletic 10 conference representative, just trying to continuously involve myself in leadership process, uh, to make myself the best Marine I could. So that got me at least to there. You're hilarious. I love you. God, I've said that, but you're (laughs) hilarious. So you, you're the only like person I've known ever besides like an SF go fast guy. Who's like, I went to the country beside the country just so I could know the country before I went to the country. Yes. That was my thought process. I love that. That's called like extra credit and a half. You know, you don't get extra credit in the Marines, right? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, good. That's just self-motivated credit. Okay. Well, and like I just said earlier, I wanted intelligence and I did very well in my school. I finished um, the top half. I did everything right. And I didn't get intelligence. I got logistics. So I was like, dang, like I did all this and, and I didn't even get it. But looking back on it, And like with my faith background, I'm like, oh man, like the Lord purposely wouldn't have let me go to there because I wouldn't be able to do bobsled and deal with that MOS, the military Mm -hmm. occupational specialty, because the school's so much longer and there's not very many people. And I wouldn't have been allowed to leave and come and do this. So it all, it all worked out truly. And I do really like logistics. We're everywhere. We're involved in everything. You are. I mean, when someone's like, I'm a logistics officer, I'm like, that means nothing to me because it means (laughs) it could be anything or nothing all at the same time. When you Mm -hmm. know someone's like, I'm infantry, we're like, I know what you do. That makes sense. You kick the doors. I got you. But when somebody says to me, it's like, yeah, I'm a log officer. I'm like, oh, shit. That could be so many things. That leaves a door open, which is fantastic for someone, especially like you. I can agree. It seems like you've landed exactly where you should be landing, because if you like you said, if you if you end up going the other direction, I mean, my God. Yeah, that would have been devastating. Did you did you like the idea of never choosing where you want to live ever again? There's some uh, freedom in that, to be honest, there's some freedom knowing that I'm going to live in different parts of the world and I'm going to move every two and three years and it's going to be what I make of it. And again, going back to, you know, my faith foundation, I'm like, I'm going to go exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to try to impact as many people as I possibly can. So wherever I end up, that's where I'm supposed to be. And I'm on a mission and going to just give everyone love and encouragement and motivate and keep going. So, I I mean, there's a part of you that's hard to settle in buying a house and truly adulting like that is kind of an exhausting process. And you're trying to ask yourself, you know, is it better to rent? Do I move? And my husband and I have been in California for a year and a half and we've been separated uh, for about 11 months out of a year and a half. So we haven't even been able to fully enjoy that time there together. But, you know, that's what the job calls for for now. Your optimism is like painful. You're such an innocent. I'm my God. It's like you're blonde like I was when I was in when I was like the military is amazing. Now I'm, I'm out still there. like dark and dead inside. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's why I want to build it up. I want to, I know it's a dark place for a lot of people. So I'm like, you know, bringing this energy and stuff, it can be contagious. You know, it, it takes, it, it takes is. more sometimes. It, so no, I 
I mean, I'm sitting here because of it. So I can't, I don't complain about it. I love it. I miss that job. That's a good time. The um, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for it for the military's future. As long as we, we correct and fix a few things. I think, I think there are things that need to be adjusted and it takes people like you that have, have the positive light, the intention, the love and the true wanting for it to be better behind you and the true intention of doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. Not because you're like, it has to change because of some rule, because someone said so. Like you want it to change truly because you love it so much that you believe it deserves that amazing, awesome reputation. I know joining the Marines would have been difficult for you. I know there are unique situations that most people listening to this show will hear because they're 86% are men. So I try to look at the other side of what it's like to join the military as a woman in a man's unit or in a man's position. I know you have to have had some uniquely women-like stories. You have to. There's no way you don't. Don't try to get around it. Don't try to pretend like it didn't happen because I know that's a lie. So you're going to have to tell me something or one of them right now. Yeah, I would say the most common thing that happens on a day-to-day basis. So my name's Riley and the amount of times I get called sir, even in person and even, I mean, email, at least it's a little bit more understandable because some people that haven't met me, you know, Riley Compton. Okay. I get it. If you're going to guess, probably guess a boy in the Marine Corps. I get it. So the amount of times I get called sir, but even when I'm walking in, we're Marines are just so programmed to say, sir, Sir. all the time. And I'm like, do you see this big bun on the back? You know? And in my like facial, you know, and they're like, Oh, just like my I'm face. So sorry. Yeah. And they, and they're, they're so innocent with it. You know, it's ma'am. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm, and I'm like, it's okay. I, I get it. Just, you know, there's, there's females now there's females here and you, we, you can't you be so programmed into that. Um, I mm-hmm. would say though, the most disappointing thing that definitely happened, it was more before I commissioned, but the amount of time I was told from people I met when I told them I'm going to be a Marine officer, you know, that's what I'm working towards. And the amount of time I was told, Oh, like you're too pretty to be a Marine officer. Or, I mean, the worst one was, Oh, don't you know that sexual assault's really high in the Marine Corps? And aren't you worried about deploying and, and what would happen to you? Um, even though you're not doing anything wrong. And I definitely, I, I've had several comments of those. It was again, more before I haven't had any of those since being in or, but, Oh, you're too pretty to be in the Marine Corps, or you're not going to be taken seriously or this that, and the other. And to be honest, since I commissioned, I truly haven't heard many of those at all. At least I haven't heard them again. Are they being said? I don't know. Um, but that's why, again, I'm here and I want to address these things and I want to, you know, prove those people wrong. Like, no, like I am here. I am taken seriously. I run the S4 shop and I do it darn well. And I'm able to prove and have results and a lot better than some of these other people. And I do get respect. And just because I don't curse and I'm not a huge yeller, doesn't that mean, doesn't mean my Marines don't respect me. And I've actually Mm -hmm. been able to tap into deeper relationships with my Marines because I have empathy and I listen to them as people, you know, I'm not just yelling down their throat, acting like they're, you know, that they don't matter. And so now at my command, actually, we have a female commanding officer, she's Lieutenant Colonel and a female executive officer as a major and me. So it's amazing being in staff meetings now. And I'm not the only female and our CO is a female and our XO is a female. 
And so what that's doing to our unit is amazing. I mean, it's not done. It's, you don't see it all the time. You don't see it in every place, but at mouse 39, that's our new climate. And that just, um, she stepped on deck in July. So now being a part of that, I take so much pride. I'm like, you know what, see, you know, to these junior Marines, men and women, this is possible. And this is the new, this is a new era that we're moving into. It's I'm really happy to see that. That's, that's super exciting for you to get to be a part of one of those first, that first round of, of women being brought onto these positions, because the amount that you're going to learn that you're going to see how they, how they work when they're addressed a certain way or how they react or how they talk and walk. It's, you're not seeing a disproportionate reaction from a man that maybe you would have normally emulated or tried to be more like you're going to see a more empathetic and more patient side. I mean, I don't know these women, but I'm judging just by women in general, we, the way we react and our emotional response to things is obviously it's, it's much different in most cases. Um, you know, everyone's individual styles of, of teaching and, and leadership are very, you know, again, individual, but you do see something really different, a different dynamic when a woman steps in into a room of all men, you see that you see a dynamic change. You, you feel a shift. You just do in, in, in almost anything you do truly. Um, that is really great. I'm, I'm super optimistic and, and excited for your unit for that. It's interesting to see because we've always had women in Canada doing those jobs. So now when I I'm getting to watch history kind of happen, it's really fascinating because it just didn't, in my mind, it never really made sense that we weren't able to do those jobs. And even then it blew my mind that in the age that I was in the forces, you guys still weren't there yet. Mm -hmm. And that's like the two (laughs) thousands. That's like one of those weird time capsule moments that you see you're like i'm sorry what yeah there's what you don't how come why is this why but it's 2000 2007 what i don't it it it, you know it's one of those moments where it shocks the system a bit when you hear about it and it's interesting to now watch oh we have a woman who's who's a ranger we have this we have that and we're like you're seeing it in the news like it's this big huge thing it's like well they probably could have just been doing it if you just let them Mm-hmm. before. <laughs> yeah. And I think the biggest debate and things that I've been hearing is, you know, people being like, you know, I want to be treated equal and I want to do this, but then we have women's standards and men's standards and all this. And, and kind of my response to this all the time is, listen, at the end of the day, I'm a Marine. I have the title Marine, but I'm a female Marine. And I'm proud of that. And I, that is a part of who I am. And that is how my leadership style. And that is me as a person. So me, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Compton, I am a female and I'm proud of that, but I'm also a Marine. I'm even more proud of that. So do I want to be treated like a Marine? Absolutely. But at the same time, do I understand that we have different standards and genetically we're built differently and we process a little bit differently? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean we still can't get the job done. So I hear that debate all the time being like, oh, well, you want to be treated the same as everyone else. So you should just have these standards and you should be able to do all the stuff the men do and this, that, the other. And you know, my biggest thing is like being different isn't always a bad thing. It's not bad, but I do agree a bit with the standard thing. I do. Mm-hmm. I have a line with that because if you're going to go outside the wire with that person, if your standard is less than him and you have to carry his weight and you haven't had to meet a standard to the, to have to have to carry his weight, 
that's concerning. That just is. That's just concerning, period. Yeah. I agree that there needs to be standards, but I think they should be the same. You're a Marine is a Marine is a Marine, whether it has a penis or a vagina, meaning it should meet the same standard across the board. If you're being asked to do the same job as any other person beside you, you should have to meet the standard. I really believe that. I've seen that in active combat. I've seen why it's important. I see, and I'm five foot. I see mm -hmm. why it's important. And you have to, if you can make the standard, then you should be able to do that job, period. And it should be based physically. If, if it's a physical job, it should be based on physical fitness. If it's a psychological job, it should be psychological. Not everybody's meant to be an officer. And you can agree. I'm sure you can. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sure, yes. we can all agree with that, but not everybody is also meant to be doing a job just because they want to be doing it. If they can't do it, they shouldn't be able to do it. That's, that's a safety hazard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we're asking uh, units, especially to deploy, and you're not able to trust that brother and sister to your left and right, because you know that they're not able to get it done, that mm -hmm. is concerning. And that is something that needs to be talked about. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I also, I always say too, though, you know, there are qualities and there are things about me as a female that yes, I want to be separate, but are treated the same, but there's also like, I do want to make sure that there are some things in place that I am a female and I'm different. So when we go to the field and we're ahead, we go to the head, I'm going to go this way and you're going to go the other way because we're gonna, yeah. like, not going to cross that line. And you are right. going to respect the fact that I am a female. Yes, we're both Marines, but there's certain things that there are lines, are okay like to be separate. showers, bathrooms, there are lines when you're embedded, those lines don't exist though. Yeah. Those lines yeah. can't exist. It's not a reality of combat. There is no line there. That's the, that's the only thing like in Canada, we got issued, you know, we, the kit issue is my favorite for this. We get issued this thing called the Shiwi, which oh, allows yes. us. Yeah. Do you get one? Did you guys yep. get one? We don't get yes. them, but I've heard of it. I know exactly oh. what it is. You can pick the color. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's uniquely women things that even combat arms women, like there are, there just are, they're uniquely women things across the board that most men don't hear about. And I think it's awesome. It's okay to be super proud of being a female and, and doing that job, but there are hilarious stories. There are, there are reasons that, you know, being a female is a little more difficult doing those jobs, i.e. this in particular situation, but yeah. it makes it for me personally, and it seems like for you as well, it made it that much more of a challenge, which made it that much more exciting, which made it that much more fulfilling when you succeeded in becoming a Marine. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's pride. There is pride, especially like, um, I would say the biggest thing was on our hikes and we all have the same weight, no matter if you're five foot, no matter if you're six, five, no matter if you're hundred pounds soaking wet or you're 300 pounds, you carry the same weight, you moved at the same pace keep up or fall back and mm -hmm. get in the safety bag, you know, and, and being able to complete those things, 15 mile hikes and being like, yep, I did it. I did just as much as you, I held the same things. I was doing this. I got after it. You know, there is, it's David Goggins says all the time. It's a cookie in your cookie jar. You right. know, it's just one that, that you put in there for later. That's like, you know, yep. I was, a, I was able to accomplish this. Absolutely. That's, that's got to feel good though. That has to feel good going in as young as you did though. It just has to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being able to see that there are some difference in standards, but some standards are exactly the same, no matter mm -hmm. weight, height, even the, and the same gender. 
I mean, yeah. we have small men too, you know, it's not oh, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. that, but mm-hmm. no, that you do. There's uh it's funny. Cause I'll, I'll have these conversations and some of the baddest dudes I've ever, ever got the you know pleasure of meeting. They're, they're not big people. They're tiny little men. And I like <laughs> them about it, but they are vicious and it's impressive. I had a sergeant that was like that. He was probably five, three, and he was a brick shit house. And he walked around and like, that man was terrifying. And he was a jump master. He was this whole thing. And I was like, you scare me so much more than some of those big people, because there's a lot to be said with, like you said, how you address your Marines. You don't have to yell and scream. You don't have to be that person. And it seems like that's worked really well and worked Mm -hmm. in your favor. I want to talk to you a little bit. Um, So you've kind of become a Marine when you were playing sports because you did baseball because sorry, softball and you did basketball. I'm sorry. Did I miss something where you decided that winter was your new favorite time to be outside? Yes. Yeah. Um, So playing softball at George Washington, we have one Jersey right now that's retired and it's a woman by the name of Alana Myers Taylor. And she is, and has been one of the best drivers that the United States has ever had for the sport of bobsled. So she was recruited out of college at George Washington to be a bobsled pilot. And she has gone to several Olympics and has medaled and is phenomenal. She is sponsored by all the big companies and mm-hmm. carries her own. And she is one heck of a woman. I mean, amazing for reform for women and her personality. And she's just, she's just someone to look up to. And so when I was in college at George Washington, right after the 2018 Olympics, she had won silver and we threw an event for her for George Washington and for our softball program to have her come present her award and really just give her that congratulations from her alumni school. And so because I was captain at the time, I was able to present her specifically the award. And I remember sitting in that room. And I straight up said to one of my teammates in another life, I would be a bobsled athlete because I love sprinting, but I'm also very powerful and combining those two things is how I made and the adrenaline and intense focus and the film study and and the discipline and the one hundredth of a second difference has always been how I perceive myself as an athlete and the things I've seen important. So I remember that day getting butterflies saying in another, in another life, I'd be a bobsled athlete, but I have the Marine Corps and I'm on a mission, you know, I'm on a mission to make that happen and to do it, to do it well. And so again, nothing happens on accident. I truly believe the Lord had, had set that encounter and it planted a seed in my heart to where, when I got to Camp Pendleton, I found out I was in a non-deployable unit. Um, my husband was deploying and I wasn't really going to be doing all that much. And I'm like, I athletically am still peaking. Like I'm still on a trajectory. Like they say, women don't peak till their late twenties into their thirties. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't be done. So that's when I wanted to join the Marine Corps softball team. COVID shut that down. Uh, okay. I saw bobsled was having a combine virtually because of COVID call my husband, call my parents. I'm doing this same response. You're crazy. What are you talking about? I'm like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it in my heart. Let me try. So I submitted it. Um, I got selected to go and then here we are now. So 
that's how that kind of came about. I mean, technically I've always been an outdoor sport. We would start our season in February and it was freezing cold. So okay. I like to think I'm a little bit used to it, but the cold to me adds just that more adversity factor. That's that much more fun. Like I'm not going to show I'm cold. I'm going to be here in like, like a legging like material onesie. I'm going to be standing here and all y'all are going to be cold. And my Marine sets in where I'm just be like, no, you're not going to see that pain on my face. <laughs> so are you just going to start carrying like plates while you run too? Because it's just an extra kick in the face. Like why can't you just accept something simply? Why? I don't get it. It, it, I don't understand it. I don't, I, of course, of course you would be the person you would be the person who is like, I, I could do that. Yeah. You and I do. Be. And that has been a trend I've noticed my whole life. I mm-hmm. could, I can list about four or five examples of me, my poor parents, my husband, they never know what they're going to get when they get a FaceTime call from me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going to tell you something crazy, but I'm going to do it anyway. And they're like, not again, please. But it works out so perfectly every time that now they like, trust me a little bit, but they're always like, how are you going to do this? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm gonna figure it out. And there's just Mm -hmm. that part of me that I, the competitive and a little bit of crazy and that adrenaline that I'm like, I never want to stop growing and pushing myself to my farthest limit. And then I want to find that limit and I want to push past it and continuously that, that continuing on to that cycle. So yeah, my husband, he's, he's still figuring out how to, how to process these things with me and, and talk with them through, uh, God bless him. You know, we've been, we've been together over three years. So he, he thought he had it figured out. We moved to California. We have everything figured out. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go bobsled, <laughs> but they're all super supportive. And here I am now. So. Oh my God, you guys got married so young. You guys are just starting. There's going to be, there's going to be tons of this. It sounds like coming down the pipeline. My goodness. All it's going to take is it about two and a half, maybe three seconds for some of these major sponsors to see you and then hear you speak and then hear how you speak. And they're like, they're going to sign you so fast. You're going to have dollar signs. And then you're going to look at the Marines and be like, you guys are great guys are super great, but, um, here's the thing because honestly, the, you're so articulate. You're such an incredible representative for the Marines. They would be stupid to not grab a hold of you and start looking after you properly real quick. Cause it won't take long for people. Once they hear you speak, once you're on that team and you're in the public eye, Missy, you and your husband are in for it. I'm telling you in like the best way possible, because you can just see it on certain people. You can the motivation, the, the amount of self-love and self-belief that you have in yourself, the amount of get up and go fuck around, find out, let's just give it, give it everything I've got attitude into everything you do is going to be the reason why you are so successful. And that's why people are going to, you're going to be an incredible leader. That's why you are an incredible leader is people are going to follow you anywhere. It's because you believe so wholeheartedly in your mission that nobody can even, how can anybody question you? How? It's impossible. I mean, like I wouldn't follow an officer almost anywhere, but I'd follow you somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I make sure, yeah, I make sure that I'm completely squared away so I can lead others. And to be honest, and that's kind of, and Bob said, and people ask all the time, you know, what's, how is your Marine Corps training? What has it taught you? How can you mm-hmm. see overlap? And I always say, and, and you get this being in the military is I have to be squared away so I can look after, for instance, my brakeman or in military, your Marine or whoever, 
I got to be good to go so I can make sure that they're good to go. Because mm-hmm. if they're not, that's going to come back to bite me. Mm-hmm. But I can't be not, I can't be having my stuff all over the place, me mentally not in it, and then ignoring that person. And then things go backwards for the both of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And I do have to have that responsibility and be, okay, I'm squared away. So let me now outwardly focus on other other things so we can plan and anticipate. And, you know, I can't say I do everything perfect. Uh, I, I make mistakes all the time. You know, they have a... Uh, lieutenants, you know, you can't spell loss without LT. Um, you know, they say that all the time and that is true because you have a lot to learn, but I accept failure and, and making a mistake. And I always say, I rather give everything I have going in the wrong direction and realizing and readjusting than making a mistake because I was unsure, unaware of myself. Like I make Mm -hmm. a decision. We're going to stick with it. We're going to execute. Here's a plan. Okay. We're going to adjust, adjust and go forward. But I'm never want to be a timid athlete. I never want to be a, t- a tenant Marine where I don't fully commit to something. And I dive in, I'm like, I believe it. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely, I mean, you can see it in the sport of bobsled, you go down that track anywhere between 70, and 90 miles per hour. You know, you got to have your, your teammate believe in you. It's, it's, there's danger, you know, involved in crashing and skin grafts and concussions and broken bones and all the mm-hmm. above. Yeah. yeah the, the paces that you guys are going at, I think people don't really fully understand bobsledding. And I don't think I did until I started looking it up a little bit more when I was going to chat with you. Bobsledding, that is actually quite terrifying. Um, I have a couple questions about it because I'm curious. Yeah. Number one, <laughs> number question number one, do they give you the track layouts to memorize? So we walk the track. So we're called track walks. So we'll yep. start from the top before every sliding day and we'll walk down it mm. um, and visualize. But to be, to be completely honest, and I always revert back to the cool running movie. I don't really oh, yeah, have, have to. a picture deck that I'm looking at. I have notes. Sometimes myself and the other pilots will collaborate to tracks I've never been to. Hey, tell me about this track in Europe. Tell me about this track in Canada. You know, this mm-hmm. at the other. Um, but for the most part, you'd be really surprised on the caliber of pilot athletes that are able to memorize it and see it. And so we have mine runs all the time. And I could walk you through two tracks right now that are my, two United States tracks and tell you exactly where they go and how they go. Walk me through one. So if we're here at Lake Placid, okay. there's 20 total curves. Okay. okay. Lake Placid is one of the most difficult tracks in the world, not because of the speed, but because of the driving intensity. So a lot mm-hmm. of these curves are going to go from one to the other. It's like one motion. And so you can get really behind if you mess one of them up because you have to have this rhythm that follows it. Mm-hmm. So Lake Placid primarily, um, has single pressure curves. Okay. So basically where you run down the track, I'm sure you saw it. You run really hard. Pilot yep. jumps in brakeman jumps in. And from that point, the brakeman now, their only job is to wait till the end and pull the brakes. So the brakeman's position is, Hey, I'm going to run really hard, get in the sled, trust. You're going to get me down. I'm going to pull those brakes to make sure we stop in time. So that's, that's that. So we're coming down. We're at corner one. It's going to take a right curve, but it's a, it's one of our double pressure. So we're going to come up. We're going to go over and just get off. Two is a really, it kind of looks like a just like a wall with a little bit of a curve. So you want to get height early, nice and easy, come off of that. You're going to enter three and three comes in. It's going to turn to the left and then it drops out. You actually want to hit that wall before coming in. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you're going to come up. I'm coming in three. I'm going to take a tap and four, same thing. I'm going to come up. 
coming the same way, come down five and six now. It's, it's called the devil's highway. That's what I talking about, that rhythm. It's tough. Um, you're going to come in, and these are really hard, quick, right turns, back to back, same way. So we're up, down, off, up, down, off. Seven is going to pick you up and then launch you back down to the left. Okay. So you're going to come up. You want to stay on it, launch down. And then eight, again, is one of those that it's, uh, it's more like flat. So you have to make sure you get on. So your seven has to be right to get into eight. So your seven has to be right. You get on eight. And then now we call what's the labyrinth, which is like three, um, curves. Mm -hmm. So then we go, we go, um, or nine and the 10, 10 is called shady because it's always, it's such a big curve that there's always shade. There's like never sunlight on it. And it's really big and it's really long. And you come off 11 high up into 12, hit over to 12, 13. Again, 14 is kind of a long one. It just drops you out. And then plus it's different because it's called the chicane. It kind of comes uphill and on TV, you can't really see it, but there's like a slight, just a slight curvature in it that if you want to try to shoot it straight, but if you don't, you're going to like ping pong Knock. a little bit yeah. and any, any touching on the walls is going to slow down your time. So then you go into the, this is the hardest sequence, a really big, long 17 that drops out to like a very quick 18 and 18 is like small and literally like straight up and down. It's almost like 90 degrees. And that's where we see a lot of problems and crashes and it's really quick. So you're out of 17, 18 into 19. And if you drive it right, you're fine. If you drive it decent, your neck's going to like snap three times. And if you don't, well, you're going to crash and it's not going to be fun. And then 19 and 20 are just uphill curves. So you're just trying to, again, stay off the wall, get onto it nice and early. And, and there's your finish line. You're screaming, your brakeman comes up and they, they pull the brakes. Okay. So why aren't we concerned about our necks and concussions here? Why? <laughs> you are really young. <laughs> Can yes. we talk about CTE? Yes. So what does that look like for a bobsledder? So concussions are a big thing. Majority of bobsled athletes have gotten them in one way or another because of the crashes and because of the G-forces, because of how fast you're going. And I always tell people when you crash in a bobsled, it's very similar to a car accident that doesn't stop. So if you crash in a car, you roll over, right? And then you eventually stop because it's flat. Well, a bobsled track it, from the top to the bottom is all the way down. So even if you rolled over, yeah, you're, you're going all the way down to the bottom. And then you're going to, it's like a bowl. Then you're going to go backwards and you're going to go forwards and go backwards and then you stop. And it's on ice. So people don't understand that you get ice burn. That is a big thing. We've had people that had to get skin grafts and et cetera. But when you flip, your head is banging on the ice. Mm -hmm. And so it is a big thing. Um, we get concussion baseline tests every year. We have chiropractors, uh, massage therapists, like all the above that we're constantly checking, getting adjusted. We actually have a company that we're sponsored with that it's kind of like a tight under armor. And then it has like a neck holder and that's what we actually use for training. So it kind of is like a small neck brace that kind of mm -hmm. like holds that into place. Um, we have the, the best top motorcycle helmets that we make sure we have like testing on the helmets to make sure that they're not bent and that they work and all this kind of stuff. And then most importantly, like making sure you have proper rest and you don't ever take too many tracks. So we limit the amount of runs you can take down a track a day for mm -hmm. that reason, for the mental exhaustion. I mean, to be honest, I'll go and well, like today I went and I took three runs 
It's about three minutes of work down mm-hmm. the actual ice for a session that's hours long because we have to move the sleds, get everything right. But Hey, mentally, I need you to be so into it. You do get moved around and stuff. You do get shaken up that we need to make sure that you're good to go before your next one. So anytime there is a crash, we have to go through complete um, concussion protocol. We have medical on staff that they're there. They evaluate um, everything like that. And there has been times where I've seen my teammates say, you know, I passed concussion test, but my neck really hurts. My head hurts. Like I'm shutting it down for the day. I'm going to reevaluate how I am tomorrow. So unfortunately, like football and some of these other sports and even softball, when you, you can, you can get hit and it's happened to me, um, you can't necessarily avoid it, but you can make sure we do everything we can preventative maintenance, right. To make sure that we are good to go and we're taken care of. And we don't see some of these issues later down the road. Good, good. That's a concern. I've seen it. We've, a lot of us have seen it, especially after being in the military, there's a ton of testing that has come out recently for small arms fire and other weaponry that have concussive blasts that we had no idea (laughs) until very recently. So I'm glad to see that you're taking care of that. That makes me very happy. You're a very smart individual. We want to keep you that way. That's ideal. That's for the future of women in the Marines is literally falling onto you. So good luck. I mean, no pressure. I feel like you thrive in pressure anyway. Truthfully. I do. I truly, I thrive when I am extremely busy and I have a lot of things going on because I'm able mm-hmm. to like hyper-focus and com- compartmentalize. And here's why I am now. I'm going to give everything I have. Okay. That's done. Now here I am. And I work better than when I'm when I'm not so busy, I tend to get myself in trouble because then I'll look for things mm-hmm. to keep me busy when I don't actually have time. Right. So people are saying on my off days, people are like, oh, I don't really do anything. I'm like, no, I do an active recovery because I have to do something. Right. Or I will go insane. Or I'll just sign up for another Olympic sport. Yes. Or I'll adopt a cat or I'll, yeah, I'll look yeah. into doing stuff that like I just should not do. And my husband's like, this is not a good idea. But he laughs at me all the time because I truly can't turn it off. So when we go on vacation, yes, when we go on vacation, I cannot sit at the beach. I'll sit at the beach for five minutes and then I'll start playing beach volleyball and I'll start like swimming in the ocean or doing something crazy. Um, So my vacations, I like to go and hike and explore and, and work out primarily. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always work well with all the people we want to go with sometimes, but yeah. yeah, you need you're you're the high energy type. You guys are kind of like Barbie and Ken of the Marines. It's annoying. <laughs> you guys are like the high energy young couple who's like, we're here to crush life. And you're like, oh, there should be a movie made about you too. Like on a beach somewhere. It's ridiculous. The 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 thing that fascinates fascinates me, uh, one of the most things that okay, let's try this again. One of the things that fascinates me the most about you is your overall take on life and your overall perception of life. And I don't know if that's because you're just super young and naive, or if that's just because you're just an incredible human who sees past everyone's flaws and just sees the world for better or what it is. But I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards the idea. Tell me if I'm wrong, that faith is really the reason you are the way you are. Oh, hundred percent. And I've been told that so many times. I, I can't even count. You know, you're just excited because you're young in the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps hasn't damaged you yet, or you haven't, you know, been wronged by people. So you just see the best in everybody. And I would, I would counter that. I I didn't know Christ my whole life, truly. And when I went in high school or high school, I did fellowship with Christian athletes here and there. I grew up Catholic. So I was at church, but I never had a connection with the Lord. Um, And then flash forward to college 
I've had teammates that were really strong Christians. They kept trying to get me to go to Bible study in church. And I was like, you know, I've tried that. It didn't work for me. I'd rather mm-hmm. go work out and, you know, do other stuff with my time. And finally I hit a point in my life where I had a lot of struggles and I said, you know what? I give up. Okay. I'll try, I'll try this religion thing out. And it was the best decision <laughs> I ever made. Yeah. 2017, I gave my life to Christ and I now truly feel like I'm a better person. And there are people, to be honest, that you can ask that knew me in high school or knew me in my early college days, my freshman year. And we're like, you're not the same person anymore. And I'm not, uh, I, I made tremendous adjustments, but it's because my heart changed and I do mm-hmm. see the best in people. And I always will continue to do that. And even when people wrong me, you know, my first response is, man, I need to pray for them because I know that they're hurting, even though they were mean to me. That's how I see it. To be honest, good. as an athlete and a competitor and as a Marine, that's been the only way I've known how to cope with dev- devastating events, death, suicide, assaults, sexual assaults, all of the above, you know, career ending, um, military and athlete injuries and events and death and all, all the bad things that people see. And that's why I feel like I'm able to see it through a different light. And that mm-hmm. is something I feel like I'm on a mission to do. And I'm very vocal about it. And, you know, people sometimes get turned off because they're like, well, I've had a bad, you know, experience with faith and I'm not going to do this whole Christian thing. So, you know, Riley, I don't really want to um, surround myself by you, but they come around what? and they're like, man, they're like, you're actually genuine. You know, you actually mean it. Like you're not just being, you know, nice because you want something. I'm like, I don't want anything from you. Wait. I just want to like love on you. You know, people, people have been like, I don't want to be around you because you're, you're, you're too happy about your faith. I mean, there's, yes, there's been times <laughs> where people are like, there's been times and I will not lie to you that people are like, you know, I, because you don't curse and like, truly, I don't, I don't, Who I don't care and that stuff. But I, like I said, though, eventually they come, they come around when they're like, wow, this is who you are. And it's pure. And that's always been my goal is like, yeah, this is who I am. And I want to be accepted for who I am. And I'm not going to adjust my personality and my viewpoints and my thoughts based off of like the crowd I'm with. And that's why I feel like in the Marine Corps, and I've, I've had so many conversations with young Marines, which has been amazing. I'm like, listen, you don't have to confine to the Marines around you. You do not have to curse. You do not have to drink. You do not have to party. You do not have to do all these things to fit in and be a Marine. Mm-hmm. You know, even though that's what your peers are doing. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you choose to do, I'm not going to judge, but that doesn't mean that I have to do that in order to be cool or be a Marine or fit Mm -hmm. in. And so I'm trying to live that out. And I do, I attend Bible studies with, I'm like one of the only officers with all these enlisted Marines. And I'm like, Hey, you know, when we're here, like we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like you see me as a person. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, of course I do. And, um, so yeah, I, I, and that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm where I am now because of, because of God and what he's given me. It doesn't mean it's been easy. It doesn't mean that every day my life is like the best thing in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that I've had more challenges truly when I, when I completely have accepted Christ and um, adversity sets in, you know, sometimes harder than it, it does in the past. But I try to stay true to that. And on my social media, like you won't hear curse words. You won't you know, I will not post like bathing suit pictures like that. I just, I have standards for myself and I'm like, as a Marine officer, as an athlete and as a Christian and as a wife, like this is what I'm upholding. And I try to stay true to that. And I, I just encourage anyone listening or 
anyone that comes, I come in contact with is like, it's okay to be yourself. And even if not, mm-hmm. everyone is like that, that, who cares? Yeah. We're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Exactly. We're just not. Some people don't drink tea. That's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Often being different is what makes you so unique, so special, so worthy of being in someone's life, being different. Who cares? Can you imagine having a group of friends that just all walked like, talked like, and looked alike? What for? Why? What value does that bring? You know, you have to have difference in your life to be worth being around. I feel like everybody tries to act a certain way because they think that is the way that they, sh- they, they should be for whatever the environment. And I, and I, I always push against that. Not because it's like the do whatever I'm being told to the opposite always, but there's this aspect of like, you can be in any situation you choose, as long as you choose to be yourself in that, it'll always come off that way. It'll always come off pure. It'll always come off genuine and authentic. And I'm so happy to hear that you didn't conform because that is literally one of the things that is most important in a leader in my eyes is the, is the ability to be able to stay steadfast in what they believe in, their ability to listen and be empathetic to others, but also the ability to say, no, this is who I am, why I do what I do, and I am not going to apologize for that to anybody. And that is exactly what you're doing. And that is beyond impressive, especially at your age and the stage that you're in in your life with all of the weight that you have, you could crumble and nobody would fault you for it. And nobody would question you for it because everyone would look at the amount that you're doing and go, okay, well, this is ridiculous, unhealthy, and completely just insane scheduling. But you thrive because you are one of those rare ones that the more you push on her, the brighter she will shine. Yeah. And I'm sure you felt it too, being a female in the military. And I've seen other of my peers, they try to talk a little bit deeper. They try to talk the way the guys do and engage in certain conversation. And I'm like, you know, it's, you don't have to be somebody you're not, you Mm -hmm. know, truly, truly, even if you're weird, like, it doesn't matter. Like that's who you are. And people will accept that because you're Mm -hmm. consistent and they know what they're getting out of you. And that's, Mm -hmm. and especially as a leader, And especially as an athlete, I want my coaches and my teammates to know exactly what they're going to get from me. Hey, Mm -hmm. this is Riley. This is Lieutenant Compton. This is how she is. I know I'm going to get this from her. And I know then that I need to be able to, in turn, be consistent and always be able to provide this back to her as well. Are we going to have good days and bad days? Are we going to have things that come up? Absolutely. We're human, but being consistent is what brains and our coaches and our athletes need from us. And I just, yeah, it's been a challenge. Don't get me wrong, but being able to say like, Hey, here's my line. Here's who I am. That's what I'm going to do. And yeah. if not, everyone else is doing it. Well, cool. Because then I'm going to be the first one. And I've seen it because I've been able to act different than other people feel like they can start acting like themselves and be right. their true self. And then tying it back to what we we're talking about all from the beginning, that environment fosters mental health better. I can come broken from who I am and I don't have to feel like I am, I'm on the outside, not what I'm feeling on the inside. And, Mm -hmm. and that I've seen it. And I think the more we can get to that, the better we're going to see the military, the world, human, our society, just society and humanity in general. My God, if we could just put a little effort 
if everyone just put a little effort, just every human, just just a little bit, could you imagine? Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't take that much now, does it now, darling? It really doesn't, but someone's got to start it. So that's all right. It's I'm, I'm glad that somebody is starting it. I'm glad to see there are other people out there pushing for a a better conversation, a more honest conversation, a deeper and more truthful conversation. And, and this idea that we can be who we want to be, we can be doing impressive things. We can be doing, we can be doing things that nobody ever thought we would do, but we can still do them with mental health in mind. We can do them with honest conversation in mind, with good leadership and, and just basic human decency. And you're doing that and you're walking that path. You're practicing what you preach to the fullest extent, one of the fullest extents I've ever seen, which is really impressive. And I'm grateful that there are people and women like you that are representing other women doing what you're doing. And it's impressive and you should be proud of yourself. And I know you get told that all the time. There's no way you don't. And my listeners are going to be so stoked for you. And I'm excited to follow your military career personally. That's something I'm very interested in. And of course, I'm going to watch you on the U.S. Olympic team. But you have to promise one thing that when you do win the gold, you have to come back here. You got to tell us all about it. Yes, I will. But I will full disclosure. Um, this upcoming Olympics 2022, um, you will not see me there. Um, I'm too young in the sport. Um, again, mm-hmm. this is, it takes a long way. Alana that I was talking about earlier, alongside my teammates, Kaylee, Nicole, and Brittany have been in anywhere from 11 to 20 years in the sport. So wow. those are the girls to look for, to cheer for. Um, they're all amazing. And I'm learning so much from them and you best believe my but is going to do everything I can to be in 2026. That is my goal. That is my trajectory. That is what I have written on my mirror. That's what I look at. That's my end goal. So yeah, absolutely support my team. You know, uh, even though there's amazing Canadians as well, um, Mm -hmm. Christian Debron and all these people that you can just learn a lot from them, but better believe 2026, I'm coming for it. I'm going to give it everything I have and I will definitely be back. I'll be older. We'll see where we are there. It'll be a fun conversation. Yeah. I'm excited. You're probably gonna have a baby by then. You're going to be like, I've also (laughs) colonated not even Mars, but like three other places. Cause I'm just didn't have enough to do. I got a day off. Ridiculous. (laughs) Absolutely ridiculous. Riley, we're, we're so grateful and we will follow you throughout your career. I promise you that we'll be talking before then, but thank you so much for your time and for coming on and where can everyone find you? Yes. On Instagram. That's really the only social platform I have. I try to keep it limited. You can follow me. Rye, R-I dot Compton. Rye okay. Compton. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll be following and uh, everyone else go give her a follow, give her some love, give her some support, kind words only. We only want kindness. Otherwise we will see you all next week. Bye.